1: Oh, my goodness, breaking news. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, the football is so good. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. That intro you heard was my authentic, genuine, actual reaction while recording the instant reaction for patrons yesterday, at which time I discovered that it was 3 0 Brentford over United. And then 4-0, Brentford over United. And I'm just going to say it like this. Football is going to give you a lot of feelings, a lot of different kinds of experiences, and a lot of different weekends. This Saturday goes right into the pantheon of footballing days for me. It was brilliant. It was Arsenal at their absolute rampant best as a flowing, attacking, dynamic team led by an outstanding uh, performance from our superstar And then it was Manchester United being absolutely abjectly humiliated in front of the world. And then the meltdown of the punditry doing their best to try to blame the Glazers and blame each other. And Jamie Redknapp telling uh, Gary Neville, look at me when I'm talking to you. Like, I just don't know. And I have to admit, I looked. I looked really hard. I tried to find the video of it. I tried to find some pictures of it. I still can't find the footage of Gary Neville dancing and singing with the Brentford fans. I don't know where it is. Tim did the tweet. I'm just doing the podcast version of it. Tim got there first. He was better. Tim's on Twitter. At Tim. Hello there. And Clive's on Twitter. At Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hey, hello, hello. And Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Nope. Nope. You got to come off mute to say woohoo. You just got to do it. It's like being back at Union Chapel. It's It's like... We're just reliving the experience. Paul staring into his computer. Woohoo! <laughs> there it is. There it is. As we just look at the top of your head. Get your microphone turned up. Let's go. Here we go. All right, so, um, Tim, let's just start with this. Let's get it out of the way because the, the, our game was so good. It, it's unfortunate. In a way, I wish we just had a nice little boring one nil with not much incident because I could spend the whole day talking about United getting beat by Brentford. And in fact, uh, the Chelsea game has just wrapped up. Spurs, of course, getting all the calls. I don't know how they do it. Uh, But a 2-2, nearly some red cards. At least the managers get red cards. Everybody gets a pound of flesh. It probably winds up being pretty good. Tim, really quickly on the Manchester United day, growing up the age you grew up, living the life you lived, the experiences we all had coming up as football supporters, any United comeuppance is good comeuppance. But this this is really elite-tier comeuppance for United. How much did you enjoy it? Yeah,
3: I just, I I really wish that I could go back and show 12-year-old me this and just say, stick it out, stick it out because it gets good. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I, I, w- I went to school in South East London in the 1990s so obviously everyone had an uncle from Manchester all of a sudden or a brother who'd been to Manchester once or like they'd bought definitely maybe by Oasis and that made them Mancunian um so <laughs> somehow so like you know put up with a lot of that over the years and like I was 15 when they won the treble and they sealed that treble on my birthday by the way on my fifteenth birthday in nineteen ninety nine. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. And and like the the way I enjoyed it as well was I was I was in a pub called The Arkstar, uh next to Holloway Road Station. And actually I wasn't watching the first half because we were outside, but we just kept hearing the cheering every couple of minutes and we were like, Surely they haven't scored again? And uh <laughs> and that was a really nice way to experience it as well. And um just, just to kind of um, you know, uh I, I guess close this bit. Um I, I just wanted to say as well, I spoke to loads of people in the Arc star who were just like incredibly generous about this podcast and everything, were very, very nice. Obviously everyone was in a great mood because the sun was out and Arsenal had played brilliantly, and then that was unfolding. Um and so, you know, I I, I took a, a lot of bouquets um in the form of drinks for all of you fellas um on Saturday. And you know, that l- listen. I took the drinks, I drank the drinks, but in spirit, they were for you as well. So thanks to everyone that was that was really nice on Saturday.
1: Well, I beat you by a day because I took all the drinks Friday night. And uh, yeah, it didn't go quite as well as it went for you and for Arsenal on Saturday because I spent the night hung over the toilet like a rookie 20-year-old in a college party who can't hold his liquor. It was a absolute abysmal situation. And if you've never heard of a carafe of martinis before, I don't recommend you look into it. Not my best decision, but hair, the dog and all that I'm right into the, uh, the vino veritas right now. So, um, yeah, so look, the United thing had it all. They're already off on Lissandro Martinez. There's all kinds of jokes about him on the internet. Each one funnier than the next Harry Maguire's getting worse. Cristiano Ronaldo now being questioned about his attitude. I mean, imagine that the guy didn't want to play for your club in the first place, Eric, 10 games, Eric, 10 weeks, you know, Eric, 10 nil, however you want to say it like it, it's all good. There's lots of jokes. You can find them on the internet. We have to talk Arsenal. As much as I could just do Freud for the entire pod, there's a lot more Freud on the instant reaction we did over the weekend if you want to catch that. So, Clive, I'll go over to you. A beautiful sunny day at the Emirates, a warm, hot Brazilian-type day, you might say, and our Brazilians were really at the races. But it is funny how watching it in the moment, you get one thing, and watching it back again, you get another. And I think Gabriel Jesus... Doesn't just deserve praise for being an absolute genius put on earth to make Arsenal fans happy, but he deserves praise for getting an extraordinary, sensational piece of brilliant genius out from his boots into the back of the net at a time in the game when we were starting to get on top. But I think it's worth remembering it was a slightly uncomfortable start. And we started to get on top, but you need that belief, that thing that will spur this on to being a memorable day. And that goal does it. So I'm curious how you look at that, that sort of first opening 15 minutes, there's the giveaway by Shaka that leads to a clear chance, right? There's a a few nervy moments, then we start to get on top, and then Jesus just pulls out a beautiful piece of, not just brilliance from the execution, but even thinking to do that. Just a wonderful moment.
4: Yeah, first goals really matter, don't they? Because they, they they change everything. And when goal comes like that, you it's almost like it feels like the power of two goals because it's so beautiful. None of us could see it happening. So, so my experience of the day was I had a game of football myself, and uh, hot sunny day, standing on the sideline, thirty odd degrees, my bald head, not great, but there you go. And then have a few drinks, well, a few too many actually, and then come back and listen to the reaction of which. I wasn't sure if I was dreaming an amount of laughter and hilarity that was going on in that. I have to say, for those who haven't heard it, try to get to hear it. Um, It's really good. (laughs) But what I got from the instant reaction was, you know, you guys were really, you know, you you felt it live. So you were talking about it with real emotion. And and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to watch it today a couple of times and try to see what's different. Because you were all talking about individual moments and people. I thought, what's different? What's different with this Arsenal team this season? So we know the individuals, right? So we know the individuals are lifting the layers, lifting the quality, et cetera, et cetera. But there's two or three things that are really different to me. Um, one is um, I think we've reduced our offensive distances. The pitch has been made smaller when we have the ball. And when we have the ball, Everyone looks tighter together, so we look like more of a link-up team, and so we're thinking about defence when we're when we're on the ball, and that's you know that's that's changed for me. I think and that's and what it does when you're closer, you get more natural rotation, so we look more varied in what we're doing, and so and that comes from having more players that can play in different parts of the pitch with the same amount of quality. So that's number one. I think I think we found an extra couple of gears in the gearbox. So we're able to go up and down the gears and not just play at a million miles an hour, which I think is useful. That's number two. And, and number three, I don't think you can get into it earlier, but I'm just going to say and probably the other guys are thinking it, they're already nodding. But I have to say there's a massive effect from Zinchenko. The Zinchenko effect, He was the I next think,
1: place I wanted to go. Yeah. Because he could have been man of the match for the way he dominated in that first half, yeah.
4: I think as a group, as we're we all mates, right? And we're all learning this new team and I thought let me do a bit of I could watch it cold, I had no emotions, so I could watch it in a slightly different way, you know. And we don't have we don't have that player. That player has changed us. As much as the centre forward has. His touches and quality and his thirst for the ball, his almost disregard for the number of the shirt on his back and just regard for how we play, where we play, what we're doing with the ball. We didn't have that, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys watched it again or were about to. When you saw changes towards the end of the game, I thought we looked a little bit more British, shall we say? The game was done. The game was done, but um, but there's something. There's a those three things for me really stood out: the gears, the intensity, the Zinchenko effect and the offensive distances by which we play, which naturally makes us more secure defensively and forces them to go long. Hence why we sometimes get edgy when we go long. Do you see what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah, we talked about this in preseason, right? I said, look, we're going to press more. We're going to put more players in the attacking third. It's brilliant to watch. Are we going to get it cut out, caught out by long straight balls a little bit more than we'd like? We are, because we're still learning counter-pressing. And, and, and Paul, you were pretty insistent on this in the instant reaction that... We're getting there, but that piece is still a piece that has to be fixed. The the counter pressing. Let's get let's set that aside for a minute. We'll, we'll come back to that. I want to stay on Zinchenko since since Clive raised it, and it really has been the case the last couple of seasons that the pod in attack that thrives seems to really be dependent on who's playing left back, right. So when it was Tomiyasu, the right pod thrived. Tierney had helped the left pod do a little bit better. When it was Nuno, we, we emphasized the right pod. Like, there, were, there were side effects of, of who's playing fullback, <laughs> as Clive shows off his beverage of choice. Um, in this game, we have Ben White playing right back, and Ben White is doing a great job with the defensive side of things and, and getting involved in the buildup, but maybe not as natural. Zinchenko is natural on the ball, and he's brought the left pod to life, but I think Arteta deserves some credit here, too, for this reason. You get this guy and he is left back. Kieran Tierney is also a left back. Kieran Tierney can't play like this. So when Kieran Tierney plays, he stays a lot of times on the outside. He overlaps. He has a different role. Arteta has found a way to get Zinchenko into the spaces where he can really facilitate interesting link up and attack. And often that means Shaq is outside of him, deeper and on the touchline. And yet he's sometimes standing on the penalty spot to tap in a goal. And the way that these players now understand when to go, when to stay, when to swap, outside, inside, it's such a fluid system. And we often talked about it as robotic, as rigid. It's rigid in your responsibilities, but it's fluid in terms of where you can be if you understand your responsibilities. And Zinchenko has just brought that part of the pitch to life. I I think he will be underappreciated in this game because of some of the incredible goals and talent that was on display but do you want to talk a little bit not just about Zinchenko's quality but how we found a way to get him on the ball in in the dangerous places that he can really help our attack click
2: sure the the structure is in place but the the players are free in fact not only are they free they're positively encouraged to go to to move zones and like on the left you have this carousel of of Martinelli, Chaka and Zinchenko and in many ways, I think Martinelli is kind of the first mover. It's his movement or his, his dynamism that, that Zinchenko reacts to and then Chaka finds that other space. Um, the thing that surprises me is I thought, I kind of pictured Zinchenko and Chaka swapping a lot, where Zinchenko, they use the excuse to get Chaka back into kind of covering the left back and Zinchenko gets into that left eight spot. But I also am learning it doesn't really matter. Zinchenko is Zinchenko's from wherever he is. Um, and that just works between the three of them. You mentioned Ben White on the right. Like, he's doing great. But you look at the positional maps, the touch maps on the left-hand side, and Martinelli and Zinchenko are practically in the same spot on the touch maps. Uh, Chaka right next to them. Uh, it's a really close cu- cluster. And you see so often Gabriel Jesus swinging that way to make a fourth. That's how the first goal comes about, right? Um, I think it's Martinelli on, just on the left of the box and Chaka sees a spot, maybe it's Zinchenko, I can't remember. Chaka sees a gap in the box that he decides he should fill and he runs into that spot, does a simple kind of wall pack, pass back to Gabriel Jesus. It's kind of a nothing ball, but it's essential that he makes that move into that spot. And they all kind of... As you would expect, they're all keying off each other and it's they're very, very close together on that side. That's that's the side we get everybody r- right in each other's shoes, moving that ball around quickly. That pulls the defense that side and should at some point start seeing Odegaard and Saka as the free guys when we swing it the other way. And Martinelli's been brilliant at either carrying it to the other side of the pitch or swinging it to the other side of the pitch. It hasn't We haven't seen the full payoff yet. Uh, we're deals, still doing too good with scoring goals from Rondos on the left-hand side and pulling the, their defense in. Um, yeah, it's been quite, I, I mean, I guess we thought that's might how it might play out with Zinchenko, but um, he's been phenomenal. And it, like the gravitational force of their side and our side, as, as Clive t- talks about, we're not just attacking it, uh, by getting our players to, together in kind of concentrated zones we then transfer that into defense and that's i was maybe a little harsh on that on the instant reaction we're going to be doing so much attacking that we're going to have much more of that holy shit we better get back moments in a game where we've not just got to switch on when we lose the ball we've got to switch on before we lose the ball you got to kind of anticipate the ball's going to be lost they're going to pop it long and we better Be ready. I think we did it pretty well, apart from about 10 minutes when Madison started getting on the ball in different spots and maybe we're a little tired in the second half. Generally, when I went back and looked at it, I think we did really well transitioning from uh, kind of doing rondos, pulling them in and then, oh crap, we lost it. Let's get back. Or, oh crap, we lost it. Let's swarm, win it back or keep pressure on the guy so he can't hit it long. Or if he hits it long, it'll be a bad ball. Like, I actually think we did a really good job on both sides of the game most of the time. And we just need to get a little sharper. We're not used to having to switch yeah. on this many times in a game and playing all the way through the game. Cause we were able to turn on attack all yeah. the way. There's a real yeah. transition going on here.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, look, it's, you know, in the thirties Celsius, nineties Fahrenheit, it, sure. it, you know, you want to play counter pressing football. That's energy sapping to begin with. I think, like I said, it's interesting too, cause When you watch counter-pressing football and the counter-press gets beat a little bit with a long straight ball, it can feel like you're way too vulnerable. And then you look at something like the XG or the shot totals, and I think we outshot them like 19 to 6, and XG was like almost 3 to 0.5. So even though it felt like they had some dangerous moments, this is the point, guys— Last season, and especially the season before, remember how we talked about, well, the XG's missing it. We, we had a lot of dangerous possession. We just didn't convert it into, into chances. We, we're having a lot of dangerous positions, but we're missing the final ball to create a chance. Well, now we're not. And now, because we're not, we're getting 19 shots. We're getting three expected goals. We're scoring four goals. And you know what? When your center back, unfortunately, puts it in the back of his net, right? Or your your goalkeeper lets you down at the near post, you could come away from this game feeling, oh, we were more dangerous than them. We don't deserve this to be 2-2. But it's not 2-2, is it? It's 4-2. And it feels comfortable and safe because you're not just having dangerous possession, you're creating dangerous chances. And that was the thing that had to be added. And oh, by the way, Tim, a big reason that's been added is a guy named Gabriel Jesus, who is an, a superstar in the making. And by the way, I do want to clear thing up. I, I think there's a quote going around saying that he said, I wasn't happy at Manchester City. I don't think that was the quote, actually. I think he said, I wasn't not happy at Manchester City, right? As in like I was happy, but yeah, I like the The point he was making was he
2: wasn't playing enough, but he was he, he said he wasn't right. not happy, he just wanted to play more. Right.
4: Yeah. He said yeah, he, he said, said I wasn't you know, unhappy. He said I wasn't unhappy at City. Yeah. Right. But right. he obviously then made he turned a new pace forward, right? And we can all exactly. see the difference.
1: <laughs> we see the difference. So so Tim, let, let's talk about our Brazilians and we'll start with, with Gabriel Jesus and like you were in the ground. I'm curious how that goal feels, that first goal, because when there are dangerous moments, there's a there's the thing you feel with the crowd, right? Oh, here it comes. Ah, and then it's a goal. And you see it coming. And then there are those goals like this, where you're kind of in a dangerous position, but it doesn't look like there's anything imminent. And a player pulls out a piece of brilliance, and it's a gasp um, before it's a roar. How did you feel watching that goal? And I'm curious, just the sensation of not really seeing it coming. And then your brain clicks on what he's just done. You have to, like, think a minute on what just happened, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, you get the. You're right, because there isn't, like you say, We lots of nice, like, interchange and uh, passing mm-hmm. between Martinelli and Jesus and all of that, and, yeah, it's like there's a good move going on, but you don't get that kind of everyone rising gradually to their seats. But what you do get, particularly with a shot that dips like that, and you can see the goalkeepers going for it, and you get that agonizing second of, is it going up? Yeah, it's gone over the goalkeeper's hand, but is it going under? Yeah, it's going under the bar. So you <laughs> get that kind of, oh, oh, oh my God, there it is. <laughs> and uh, and and yeah, it, it's, it, it's just a, it's actually um, a type of goal I don't think he scores that often. Like his second goal, um, hello, back post, there was there was someone James around Brent here. I, oh, for, oh, oh, oh. I, f- I forget. <laughs> I forget. I forget who said um, he scores loads of goals. Like the second one, very typical Gabriel Jesus goal. You <laughs> <laughs> And so, some of some some of the, the chances he actually missed. Those are like you know very typical. Like he does a lot of good work outside the box um but never scores from out there always like fairly close range and this is still like it's the angle more than the range that makes this goal right but it's that it's that kind of um you know reaching for a different club in the bag and just like you know when you're in the sand or something just wedging it out and uh and yeah and he's look obviously we've we've said it all before like how much he's changed things and um, I wrote a piece just before the season started on how I thought he'd really bring the best out of Martinelli because of that potential for interchange. And I mean, look at again, look at where Jesus is when we start this move. He's out right on the touchline uh when we start this move, and it's Martinelli, and then he finds Martinelli with that kind of reverse pass. And, you know, those two are playing almost like a front two. Um, you know, obviously they're they're a bit more like over here, they're not like a real front two, um, but it's 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 close. And Saka, and again, stuff that we spotted in the Palace rewatch that I'm really spotting, like Saka's staying very very wide, and it's like it's white that's that's kind of um, coming in into in, into the kind of half space. And but Jesus and Martinelli, I think more than anyone else in that forward line, have slightly less structure in their roles at the moment. It looks like Saka's got all the structure. Um, yeah. and that's incredible by the way for his age that you put that I say put that on him like but there's no doubt he can handle it but you you like Saka you're almost treating him like the experienced player or the kind of thing you do when you've got a player who's 30 and you just go oh yeah you you do like you do the kind of the structure not boring stuff but you know what I mean so we can mm-hmm. let that. And, and both of these guys are older than him um, but but that interchange between Martinelli and Jesus and and, and Clive's right. Zinchenko's really added to that, and and we all see what a better player Jaka looks as well. Certainly in an attacking sense, and all of a sudden he's carrying attacking threat. Like he scores, he hits the post. Like had an assist. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But but Jesus, like Jesus had one of those games that you really want from your striker, where he he had more shots than Leicester. He had seven shots. <laughs> he scored twice. And he's coming away like uh and, and he should have scored a third. Like there are two chances he yeah. should have scored. Yeah. And that's that that's kind of always been a bit him as well. But at the same time, when you're putting up loads of shots, you will miss them and you will miss easy chances. Like it happens to pretty much uh, I- every striker.
1: People are sick of hearing this from me, but for a couple of seasons there, Mohamed Salah had missed the most big chances in the Premier League because he just yep. got so many of them. You want your yep. striker to be high up on the missed big chances list because it means he's getting a lot, a lot of big chances. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And and that front three, like I'm loving the look of that front three, like how dynamic it is, and you know, Saka holding width on one side and the other two, but there's still rotation within that, and I, I think it looks, I just think it looks so, so good at the moment, and. It, I mean, look, we look like a new team, so there is a chance that in coming games, you know, teams will see us more and, and everything like that, and we might have to have an answer to that. But we just seem to be giving teams so many different types of problems because of the movement
1: and little pieces clicking. We're dangerous on set pieces, right? We can counter attack. We've got a press now. If you come at us, we can play around you and go back to front. You can we can hit a long straight ball, and Jesus can just win it and turn it into a goal scoring chance. What he does to Johnny Evans. That's just, I wanted that goal more than the back post goal that he misses, which is probably the easier one. I wanted the one for him so bad returns Johnny Evans around. And cause it's, it's just a first, uh, it, w- it was right there for him. And, and I think he gets his foot in to get the ball away. Cause do, do we wind up getting a corner from that moment? I think actually, so just yeah, a little indeed.
3: unfortunate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Indeed he gets in there. Um, but Clive that, that, that pod, I mean, the Martinelli and, and Jesus dynamic, it's really different than what we had last season. And I think we're getting a little forsaka of what we got from Martinelli or Smith-Rowe last season. Of Oh, you know, we had a quiet day. Well, one of these players keeps the width and stretches the pitch horizontally. And the other two players get to have the fun exchanging with each other. And right now it's Martinelli and Jesus. And like, they did that, but oh, by the way, they both pulled out sensational pieces of individual brilliance. Martinelli's goal, is going to love it. Because it's not just a sensational shot arrowed into the corner from out, outside top of the box. It's a goal he earns by winning the ball back at the halfway line. He makes the ball recovery and then he gets onto the end of the move and scores it in that way. But that, that pod, that, that, that dynamic between Martinelli and Jesus for me, Clive, is one of the bigger differences. I'm sure Zinchenko's playing a role in that, but they're, they're, their chemistry together and the way that they, they position themselves together is, is really special right now.
4: Yeah, I was I spotted in the pre season game that Martinelli had been to David Lloyd's and he's got his muscles out and he was putting his shoulders into <laughs> people. I thought, ah, that's interesting. And he's he's just got better physically. And he's not the only one. Saka's changed in his body as well. Um, Odegaard's got a little bit stronger. I also added to strength of sleeve about this. So we look more robust as a team. But I'll, I'll go back to the point I tried to make earlier about the distances. What We've really squeezed the pitch narrowly and we really have come inside we said it the other day didn't we but i see it twice now we come right into we cut the pitch in half a lot we really cut the pitch in half and when you get these type of players close to each other well if you know what they're gonna do i'm here because i don't know what they're gonna do because they're so creative and they bounce off each other so we're looking quite. um uh, we are looking a bit like... When, when Wenger put the old Kleb Razicki Fabregas group together with Van Persie, it was, it was quite similar. They were very hard to read because they were just so creative. They just created things together. And I can see this... Not I don't want to go back to... This, I don't like living in the past, for my you, yeah? But when you get good players playing with each other, they create their own music. right? They really do. And that's what we're seeing. On the Saka Roll, I think... I'm going to say this, this might sound a bit controversial, but we don't want to turn him into Pepe. And by that, I mean the guy that's on the outside to a little bit, right? So now that's not, it's very early, right? We're two games in, right? So, but, and he is holding his wits. Are you he's saying doing we sell him instead thing.
1: of re signing him? Just come out and say it. Clyde. No, but they were, they were, they were, if that's what you there want were times,
4: There were times, there were times in Pepe's time when we were, we all had high hopes for him. That I felt he's on the extremities of things. and I wanted him to come inside and get involved a little bit more. I don't want him to be so far away from it that he falls down because, you know, he's a golden boy, right? So it's just two games. And it may be what he's doing is allowing for others to do their thing because the gaps are there, right? So he can run through people, et cetera, et cetera. So it's two games, right? And it's incredibly exciting what's happening. Odegaard is running a million miles a game. Um, but for me martinelli the, the change for me is his playmaking that's what's the change is. he's taking short free kicks he's a playmaker he's turned to a playmaker his corner forward.
1: kicks are great yeah so
4: we've got this guy we all know he's a hard worker and he presses and he's quite quick he can beat a man and he used to get shots season four last he slowed down his shots and improved his positioning and both sides of his game now he's turned up this year and he's turned up as a playmaking forward. He's he's, he's, he's starting attacks. I mean, there's so many layers, this guy. I'm starting to, I'm starting. We have to do a podcast without Elliot because he's, the love for him is too great. But Elliot, I think he might be underestimating how how uh, honestly. Not I'm possible. starting to I'm starting to wonder his potential because if you're starting to add playmaking to your game as well, you're you're a special special player if you're doing that.
2: If I've one criticism to for Elliot, it's that he yeah, please, doesn't love him enough.
1: Sorry. I don't yeah. love him enough. C- c- can I make a point too, Clive? Just stay on this for a second, and then Paul. I know you yep. want to add on this as well, um, which is makes a change from the normal situation. He's gonna
4: get. He's gonna get a, Ma- gonna get a talk Rana. now anyway. <laughs> he's
1: gonna get a talk in there. Look, Clive Martin. In the internet age, we love to roast people. We love to have a laugh at people. We love to have a meme of people. You know, we love to make things like Martinelli absolutely ruined Fofana in this game. And the Mm -hmm. internet loves to laugh about that. But this is an important thing tactically. When you have a player that can get a defender on a yellow early, have them playing reactively, have them feeling nervous about being on the front foot, you open things up for everybody by doing that. We saw Ben White against Zaha before the yellow card and Ben White against Zaha after the yellow card. And it did make a difference. He had to play the game differently. And Fofana gets that early yellow. He cannot live with Martinelli. He's turning him and running past him. And I think... That played a part in how we became more dominant in the game because Fofana is looking at the game saying, I got all these minutes that I got to play on this yellow. And by the way, he probably could have gone a couple of times. So as much as we love to meme that stuff, isn't it really important that we have these players who can... You know, get an early yellow for a defender because he can't live with him, and totally change the defensive plan for the opposition.
4: Yeah, I think he he just added more physicality to his game, so he's he's happy to go in the duel, so he can win the mm-hmm. duel with his speed and skill. But now he's saying you, you're not going to push me about, and that that creates a different dynamic in the duel. Does that mean? And the defender feels he has to take him out and. That's the big change for me. Is his, he's just turned into a man, basically, and he's getting physical confidence. And Clivey has as the as well annoying habit.
2: He's the annoying habit now, like I do, of interrupting, of uh, interrupting the other player and getting the ball. Like he's got blue glue on his boots uh, this season. If he go, if he goes after a ball, if somebody comes after him, almost every time. Like Arteta used to have that thing, and obviously Santi did because he was brilliant, had quick feet. But Martinelli seems to have a comes out with the ball factor Is that, uh, like, talking about causing turnovers and giving the other, giving the defense conniptions. Or, like, there was a point at which two or three of them came after him, took the ball off him, and you're like, oh, he, he overplayed that, he lost the ball. And then he goes back at them, takes the ball off them, and recycles it back to us. I mean, it happened all through the game. Yep. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I agree with that. And,
1: and yeah, well let, let me let me stay with you for a second, Paul, just because the, the sack of things interesting too. Like so much is narrative in football. So like if Martinelli doesn't get a back post header sitter off a set piece against Palace, we're talking about how he missed a sitter that could have won us a critical away game and he's the villain all of a sudden, but he gets it. Now he scores this wonder goal, he's playing great. I mean, if Jesus Scores a tap in by his standards at the back post. We're looking at Saka who beats a man and takes a beautifully low driven shot. Right, that that that's that's the one I'm thinking of. Right, the Jesus far post where he misses just outside the post is is that the rebound off of Saka's shot or is that Saka's goal? There's a Saka shot.
4: Yeah, Saka yeah. shot, palmed right out. Is the one, yes, yeah, palmed yeah. out, and he, he just goes side netting on his right, left foot.
1: Right, 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 and that and that would have really made the good
4: perfect hat trick
1: from Saka. Yeah. Yeah. Left, right header. Um, so, Paul, I, I think Saka's role is also partly, I mean, look, it's definitely influenced by who the fullback is. I don't think there's any debating that. I think it's influenced by where the center forward wants to go. Lacazette liked to go into the right half space more. Jesus does seem to like to go both sides, but he, he has a good rapport with uh, with Martinelli. But I think it's also the fact that I think Saka is our best one-on-one player. I don't think you can live with him in 1v1s. And so we're okay isolating him because he will usually beat a man. He has that really nice one-two he can play with Odegaard. That pod works, but it's just a little bit wider. And I don't think that's a problem. And I I think there's going to be a lot of good games for Saka as defenses start to try to invest a little bit more in shutting down the left side and Saka gets isolated more and he's going he's gonna to humiliate people. So uh, it really is just about patience. You don't need every player to go bang every game. You need the team to, and we we did that on this day.
2: Um, yeah, I kind of feel they need to be patient. and um, By them, I mean Saka and Odegaard and kind of enjoy the fact that the other side is carrying the load right now. As Tim mentioned, uh, oppositions will adjust to us. Um, they'll they'll find ways of blocking that side and it'll come back the other way. And like Saka has got a long season ahead of him. And if I'm him, I kind of feel like a burden's lifted that I don't have to be the man all the time. I thought it was interesting in Jesus's interview this time around when he was done uh, talking, uh, he said, actually, hang on a second. Give me back that mic. Uh, Screw it. On second thoughts, I am the Messiah. Um, Like, Jesus has totally embodied this. He's the man. Um, and like, if I'm sack Saka's too young to be the man. It's not healthy for him, for the club. Like, like he needs the time to keep developing, keep, you know. I think half the problem with Cesc Fabregas is he got burned out being the man from way too young, carrying a young team, all that kind of stuff. I think that was a lot of why he was... He wanted to take a step back from where we were at. I didn't want to see that with Saka. I'm delighted that the experienced players are coming in to row the, run the show and that Gabriel Jesus is ready to be the star, the superstar, and that Martinelli's stepping up on the other side and that Saka can have great games and good games. He'll never have a bad game. When you think he's had a bad game, you go back and look at it and you say, oh, it's only because he was very good today, not brilliant. Um, But it is a little quieter on that side. It'll be interesting to see what it's like with Tomiyasu back. But um, they may just be the side we switch to that have all the space. Like that's classic positional play, really busy on the left, switch it to the right where they're in space, and that's where you hurt them from.
1: Yeah. No, and I think the other thing is, This is good because what was the panic all summer? We need a Saka backup. We got to have a Saka backup or we're dead. Well, what we really see now is we're not as dependent on Saka even when he's playing, right? Like we've created a little bit more balance in the way we're able to hurt teams. I mean, Saka got a goal in this game. Jesus gets two goals in this game. Martinelli gets a goal in this game. And there could have been more for both of them. So not needing Saka to carry the load helps us two ways. One, it means that We're just a better team. And two, it means that we don't have that single point of failure. And we've had a single point of failure in a number of positions on the pitch down the years. And and it doesn't look like we have that right now um, as people are yelling the names of a couple of players. I'm not going to say it because it feels like a jinx. Um, Tim, I want to bring up something, though, that was specific to the match day experience and, and how it transmitted to me watching. So William Saliba scores an own goal. Now, I think there are questions to be asked of Ramsdale in that moment who had a couple of dodgy moments in this game, but fair enough. Saliba scores no goal. And look, I think he has to get ahead on that. I think he has to do something there. He just has to head it wide to the post, and he doesn't. It's a mistake. It can happen. That's not what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is a reaction. And this is what happens when a team is playing well, and the fans feel connected to a team, and the fans feel connected to the manager, and the fans are in the right mindset. Because then instead of being what Harry Maguire is facing at United, you get what happened with Saliba, which was immense cheering for him. And then every time he gets the ball after that, he's soundly cheered. And Arteta spoke about it after the game, the way it left le- lifted him and how beautiful it was. I was moved by it, Tim. I was like, you know, I can be a Moni guy, I get it, but in the ground, this is what I hope support would be about. And I understand that it can't always be that way. That's utopian. Fans are going to express frustration when there's frustration to be ex- ex- uh, expressed. But the way things are going for the club right now, the connection between the fans and the clubs meant they had the grace and the sympathy and the love for this player in this moment to lift him, and it made a difference. And I'm curious how you felt being a part of that and how organic it was and what you think was going on in that moment, because I, I really think that was a beautiful moment for Saliba, for the fans, and then it it he went right on to have a great game after it, you know?
3: Yeah, like that's what should happen, right? That is what should happen. Now, with the best will in the world, it doesn't always happen. I'm not going to pretend for one minute if you wind the clock back three years and Mustafi puts that header (laughs) into his own net that there's going to be any applause and probably not from me either, um, quite frankly, um, although Mustafi would probably be Busy pointing, blaming someone else for it. Anyway, <laughs> pointing to his head. Um, think, but, think. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you're right. These are the thi- and 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 Man United is such a good like analog for this at the moment because everything United are going through at the moment, like fans unhappy and seeing footage of them abuse oh, I say abusing. You know, giving the players a mouthful at full time, which you kind of think fair enough. Like <laughs> when yep. when they've played like that um and everything but like and and you know Ronaldo and all like it's just like this is where we were a couple of years ago with Urzil's shit body language and that issue and at the Abamiang issue. I mean the Abamiang issue was only a few months ago, but that 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 was slightly different because it didn't actually feel like it really damaged um mm-hmm. anything. It was just like it was an issue. Whereas like Özil felt a bit bigger than Özil himself. It felt like this is symptomatic of a club that's just done too many stupid things, um, made too many mistakes. There's too many knots in this. And and listen, like before the game yesterday, I I, um, I often go in a pub called the Bank of Friendship. Um, a uh, lovely little pub um, that I've that I've gone to for like 20 years now. Um, but it's it's like it's it's quite small. It's going to be um, rammed quite- now,
1: Tim. There you go. You've ruined it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it's quite intimate and everything. I I've only ever heard singing in that pub garden three times. Right may 2002 (laughs) may 2004 see if you can spot a theme here and before the game yesterday before the game yesterday there were people singing in that garden and i and it's not because it's like a moany place or anything like that it's just it just doesn't happen it's like it's just quite small it's the kind of place where like old gits like me go because we want to see and you know we want like sticky floors and you know 1970s lighting but <laughs> but it was it was alive it really really was and when you consider how last season ended um and this is the thing sometimes and it ga- it just gave me this big thought about again big vested interest about like fan media like ourselves and you know how how it's different when you're completely in touch with a club day to day and then you listen to like Um, season preview podcasts and things like that for for people who are generalists and completely understandably can't have that level of texture and detail but being not down on arsenal but you know saying well well yeah they've made some and you know but but not understanding why everyone still feels so energized even after how last season ended like the way last season ended let's have it right was fucking horrible it was terrible like we lost top four by losing away at spurs three 0. like it doesn't get much worse than that and yet there's still this connection and i really hope the other thing that came because everyone's seen the Saliba stuff right and Yeah, everything you say, Elliot, is right. That's that's a symptom of being connected. This guy's twenty-one. This is his second game for Arsenal. So we haven't had an opportunity to build a big relationship with that player. It's not like if it happens to like Saka, for example, it's right, okay, this guy's brilliant, he's played 150 games for us, he's everyone's favourite player, whatever. This this guy's played twice for us, Saliba. And, and so it shows you that there's something bigger. And the other thing that I really hope came across is at the end, um, like the noise at the end, and there's some guys called the Ashburton Army who get together in the clock end, um, who are between like 16 to 25. That's the perfect place for them because it's next to the away fans and all of that, but also there's no season ticket holders there. They don't have season ticket holders behind the South goal. Um, because of cup allocations and stuff. So you can buy game to game there and they're the cheapest tickets. And so these young guys are just in those couple of blocks behind that goal. And you you probably heard them at the end of the game as of well. Course. Yeah. It, it, there are some young players that have lifted this team and there are some young fans that are lifting it as well. well so, that, so kudos to them. Yeah.
1: Um, so we record using a certain type of recording environment and it has the opportunity. There's a little icon you can click to raise your hand to sort of indicate that, you know, there's, there's a contribution to make. And a little thing flashes up on the screen in front of me and it says, Paul has something to say. I want to be clear. That's a truism. You don't need to tell me that Zencaster. I know <laughs> Paul has something to say. I don't need an icon to indicate it, but I am very, very curious to hear it as always. Paul, what do you have to say?
2: I've got a lot of feelings. Helios. Um, mm. right. What I wanted to say this, time. Uh, imagine if from Saliba's point of view, right? Uh, I haven't been sure what the relationship was between him and the club over the last few years. Um, but even if it was all fine and some of that was in my head, um, he comes here for the first time. He plays his second game. He screws up or so he feels. And like, what happens? The, the crowd rush around him and say, you're okay, man, we got your back. Um, I think the response was huge. The first thing you look at to look at Maslow's uh, hierarchy of hierarchy needs. Hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to be safe. I don't mean like warm. You want to be psychologically safe. He screwed up or you, you can look at it whatever, you you know, that was one of those things. Maybe he had to go for it. Maybe he was unlucky. But in his mind, he's thinking they're all, I've just screwed this up for them or that's how they see it. And what was the immediate response they started cheering him every touch. Like, I don't know what'll happen to him contractually, and that's an, another matter in the near future. But I bet that just changed all sorts of things about how do I fit in around here? You know, he's French. He was at Marseille. He was, uh, I think he played for Nice. He played for Saint Etienne before that. Uh, like, that's a kind of a home. Well, guess what? This is your new home, buddy. Uh, you're loved. If you want to be at a club, where you can go on, perform, be part of an exciting project, and know that everybody has your back. Uh, welcome, William Saliba.
1: Yeah. Um, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's sort of a pyramid that shows the things you need to feel complete, to feel whole, to be a happy, fulfilled person. And it's a pyramid. And you can imagine, like at the bottom, the thing like, you need most of all shaved privates. Then next up, a good hiring partner for your business. <laughs> you got me. And it you moves got up. me. It, it moves up through there. So let's start with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and we'll start first and foremost with those shaved Privates, and you get them from Manscaped. And I want to be clear. I love Manscaped. You know I love Manscaped. We all love Manscaped. I got a bone to pick with the sponsor. Let's just do it. Let's have it out. Let's have it out in public. They send me copy. Sometimes I read the copy. Sometimes I don't. There's a put the ball in ball on door in here. I got you. That's okay. But there's a Harry Kane reference in my copy. I will not use it. I will not make it. And I will not tolerate it. But that's okay. We fall out with those we love and we get back together. You should be using Manscaped because they have the Lawnmower 4.0. Because they have the Weed Whacker. Because they have all the great products that make you feel and look smooth and delicious and wonderful. And just totally content in your Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The most basic need. Smooth, beautiful privates. And that's what Manscaped delivers. The Performance Package 4.0, it is a package and it gets you all the things you need. The Lawnmower 4.0 really is a transcendent device for shaving your privates. A long battery life, works wet dry, ceramic blades with skin safe technology. A 9,000 RPM motor powered by 360 degree rotary dual blades. What's that? That's the weed whacker. It does the ear and nose hair. Why are you using other stuff? When you can go to manscaped.com, use promo code Arsenal Vision, and save 20% off with free delivery worldwide. It's manscaped.com, 20% off free delivery and 20% and worldwide, 20% off free delivery when you use promo code ArsenalVision. Vision. Celebrate a new season of the beautiful game with your newly beautiful balls. That's what it says. It says you must read it. Don't have a choice. I skipped the Harry Kane thing. You can thank me for that. Okay? Okay. We're friends again. So now we move up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs to finding the right hiring partner for your business. And that's Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills. Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. They've got instant match. You know this. Over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description literally the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. Now, one of the things I like to talk about is assessments. This is one of the new features that they walk me through. And it just makes sense because I don't want to just put my resume on Indeed and, oh, I hope someone finds out what makes me special. And you're a hiring partner and you think, I hope I can find what makes them special. Why not use assessments? It just makes sense. It's 135 different tests from cooking to coding. You want to show off that you're good at cooking? You want to show off that you're good at cooking? Take an assessment. Use assessments. My God, this is so obvious. Huh? Indeed, assessments help take the stress out of the interview process. Your candidates get to prove themselves before the interview so that you and them can dive deeper into talking about what's important to you. With assessments, you can select from skills that matter to you the most. Add from a selection of over 100 hard and soft skills to test your job post uh, and home in on the candidates with the right skills. Eight times more likely to consistently perform at work according to Indeed data when you use assessments. Just makes sense. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit. Upgrade your job. Post at indie.com slash blue wire. Offer valid for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indie.com slash blue wire. Indy.com slash bluewire. Times could just fly and hire.
5: You need indie. <laughs> Is that
1: enough of that? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that one felt good for my core. I engaged my core that whole time. The Pilates is paying off, so is the throwing up over the toilet. I should mention, by the way, we talked about bookmakers on the last pod, um, and, and I said that they were going to be giving away a shirt signed by Tony Adams and, and Liam Brady. And, and Anyway, uh, check the podcast social media feed, the, the Twitter feed, because we're going to have the details on that for, for the guys at bookmakers. And actually, they have us 13-2 to 2 to beat Bournemouth away. No jinxing. No jinxing. Okay. Whew, back to where we were. I don't know where that was exactly, but we're going to get there. Um, Clive, let me start with you. So as we move through this game, like one of the things that I think could be discussed is is Ramsdale. Um, It's funny, as I watch all or nothing, and then I watch these games, I find I'm synthesizing what I take away from these things a lot. And Ramsdale really, really gets down when he's conceded a goal. He really, really gets high with the good performances. And like, that's natural. We have to remember goalkeepers are nutters, right? They're just very different. Um... I think he will probably feel pretty down about the near post. I wonder if you think the near post is an issue. It's funny because I had just watched before this game the 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 Liverpool um, at-home episode, and he concedes at the near post to Jota in a game where we were playing pretty well. Concedes at the near post here to Madison. It's not great. Is there something there, do you think? Is that is that a thing we keep an eye on, something that the coaches are going to have to get to get together with him on? How are you feeling about Ramsdale's general progression here because we had a couple of nervy moments against palace we have a couple of moments here in this game too and no one's going to be great all the time and when goalkeepers make mistakes unlike any other player on the pitch there's just no getting away from it ask david Gea hilariously um but yeah i'm curious where where you're at with a couple of these kinks in his game at the moment and especially the near post goal obviously
4: Right, so a little, I felt towards the end of last season, he was a, a little bit frazzled towards the end of the season, as, and he wasn't alone, and we looked very young at that period. And then he went to the England game, he had one very good game and, and one not so good. And I think, get, mate, get on your holidays quickly. He's come back in and, and he's looked fine for me. You know what? But I think we need to flip our, flip our analysis, shall we say? Because as we spoke earlier about how we're playing differently now, we're taking more gambles. I think, what we're going to see is a little bit more one-on-one exposed Ramsdale, having to make decisions with his centre backs, having to make one-on-one saves, a lot more. Allison's very good at it. Edison, yeah, he's okay. He's not great at it. He's a good shot stopper, but his one-on-one skills are not great. And so I think his game's gonna have it will, will develop over time. I'm not too wide the near post shot I thought it was a good shot he didn't get his feet quite right but the power beat him the Liverpool one was more concerning for me because but then he was injured straight afterwards right so I sort of explained it away to myself you know so um, but this one I wasn't too worried about if anything one and I spoke about the three things I took away from the game from an Arsenal perspective I also took away from the game that Brendan Rodgers is not a bad coach and some of the football Leicester played wasn't too bad Right for a team that hasn't had any additions, some of the Patente players quite nice. That run around the corner from Madison was great, and in the Madison versus Tielemans dance off, I thought Madison looked a lot better on my rewatch. I don't know how it felt in the ground and just seeing the body and seeing how it feels when it, when they it got possession. I didn't have that live view, but I thought Madison was quite bright. So I'm not th- I'm not there yet on. Um, Ramsey, I know you have a little few doubts, Elliot. And the reason why I'm not there yet Whoa. is because a couple of... I don't the, have a any co- doubts. <laughs>
1: I was in the game to iron out. It's, okay. well, it, it's it's quite
4: interesting, wasn't it? I can remember a couple of years ago, we played Burnley and that David De Gea pass into the T, shall we say, into Xhaka, you know, I think it was Leno into Shaka, was it, Tim? At Burnley or less. I can't remember which game it was away. And I think it was Burnley, wasn't it? And, and I looked at De Gea this weekend and I saw the same things that we were trying to do back then that just looked very lumpy and then I look at Ramsdale I look at what he's doing with the ball sidewinders clearing to the to Martinelli his distribution is just miles miles better and I used to try to defend Leno during that period you know because I'm an Arsenal fan right so um, I tried -hmm. to find the good in good in the players When it comes down to it, when you look at how far we progress by having that extra man in our team, we have an extra outfield player, I think that's a far bigger priority than when you can see a goal like that every now and again. I think that can be worked on. How he impacts our play in open play and gets us out is is massive. It's absolutely massive. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. Joe Hart, fantastic goalkeeper for City. They bombed him. Named a training pitch after him, Says, see you later. No one's crying over it now, are they? Four championships in five years, right? We've edited their goal. He's, he's changed how they play. Goalkeepers need to be viewed differently, I feel. And I think I, I, I'm going to try to look at them differently and learn about how they're impacting our overall game.
1: David De Gea is one of the best shot stoppers in world football, though you wouldn't know it from what happened at Brentford and he's a disaster for United because they can't play the football they want to play with him. So I totally agree with that. Tim, I'll let you finish on that topic because I don't think it's a meaty topic and we can move on to something else with you in a second here. But do you have anything to add? I mean, I think one of the things that happens sometimes, Tim, and you can tell me if you agree, a player comes in with a certain mood around the signing. And there were a lot of people. I don't know any of them personally who had big doubts about signing Ramsdale, especially at the money we paid. Okay. I'll admit I was among them. And because there was a big backlash against the signing in a way, then when he came in and played well, there was almost an overreaction to how good he was, right, to support him and show that support. And then you wind up in this weird tension, right, because there was that initial, oh, we shouldn't be going for this guy. He's going to be a bust. And then there's this huge reaction of, ha-ha, you were wrong. He's he's amazing. He's the best player that ever was born. And the reality is he's a young goalkeeper, learning his craft, very good with the ball at his feet, probably still has things to improve in his game. And it's weird when we say that about a a Bukayo Saka, No one bats an eye when we say that about a Martinelli. But something about a goalkeeper, it's like, no, there can't be warts in his game. He can't need to learn anything. He has to be the – no, he's got some issues. Near post to me looks like one. Maybe that's got to get ironed out. So is it fair to say like he still enables us to play the football we want to play? He's like a lot of our players at an age where he's going to naturally be a work in progress, just the way it works.
3: Yeah, 100%. I, I do think that's an issue. There was also the Timo Werner goal. Um, when we played at Stamford Bridge in April, I, I know it took a bit of a, well, it took a deflection, but it wasn't like a quick deflection and he was slow mm-hmm. to get down. I agree with He's Clyde, quick off like, his feet high, maybe a little slow yeah.
1: off his feet low. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. Um, and and yeah, I agree with Clock Like that Jota one last season was genuinely really poor, but then, as revealed in the documentary, you understand he has a hip problem hip. and misses mm-hmm. the next game. And you're like, okay, that's, you know, that's that's what that's probably what's happened there. But yeah, hundred percent it's a weakness and when it's a weakness, like first of all, I I am absolutely certain that he's sitting down and talking with goalkeeping coaches about that, hundred percent. And I'm absolutely certain that other teams are talking about it as well. I'm certain that other teams are saying mm, he's a bit weak on his, you know, on his front post or, or whatever. And, and this one, the Madison goal was a weird one, actually. You know, talking about the Gabriel Jesus goal and the not expecting it, kind of the same with Madison. Like sometimes when a player just powers it, there was, I'd say, f- you know, for me in real time, like a strong element of surprise. Um, and it's weird because when I watched it back, I was like, why was that so surprising? Because he was in a, like a really good shooting position um but like I, I think particularly nowadays like i i was i was listening to something um you know about how like long shots are, are like trending right downwards in the like massive drop off in like both long range shots and therefore long range goals like yeah. obviously a lot of data work about like the optimum positions to shoot and things like that but there was something about that madison goal like when he took it it was just like oh oh shit, I, like I didn't expect, so I do, because it wasn't really on Ramsdale's near post either, it went through his legs and and I think, honestly, he just, he wasn't expecting it and, and wasn't really set, however, um, yeah, as a goalkeeper, you kind of got to be, you've got to expect a shot pretty much at all times and, yeah, like, I completely agree, Elliot. I, I do think that that is a potential weakness in his game, but I think it's one that can be ironed out. It it might be a footwork thing, um, and yeah. it might be on his, like, right side, but it can be ironed out.
1: It's funny the way this game went, because we got lucky in a way, and we, ma- we made our luck. So I want to be clear. Like, we dominated them. We deserved to win this game. The XG tells the story, and I think your eyes tell the story. But, like, every time they scored, we got it right back. So we didn't have to carry nerves for 10, 15 minutes, you know what I mean, where we're starting to feel under under the cosh. Um, but I think we got that through our front-footed play. And like, I think, Tim, this might be a, a manager's dream of a game in a way, only in this respect. We dominated. We played brilliantly. We scored four goals. And there's plenty of things you can complain about. Passes that weren't quite made, finishes that weren't quite there. Defensive lapses that he won't be happy about. And like I almost feel like that's what a manager wants. I want you to win and look amazing playing. Then give me enough to lay a knee one so that I keep your feet on the ground and your head from going to the clouds, going to another game where we're going to be heavy favorites.
3: Yeah, definitely. And and the thing that really interested me about this game was definitely like the immediate reaction, both times Leicester scored. One of the things I was talking with a friend about uh last week, about like this habit we have sometimes, sometimes quite a lot of dropping off, particularly away from home. And uh, and and he said to me, kind of one of the the issues in a way is that that keeps working, and that maybe uh, for our medium to long term health, you know, particularly if we're hanging on one nil away from home. Perhaps like I know how counterintuitive it sounds, but he was saying like, actually, it might be a good thing if like we concede that last minute equaliser or something, so that the players are then cause, it's difficult to convince players not to do something when you when it keeps working right when when you get the result. And this, like th- to your point, Elliot, this is something Arteta can use and just say, "Look, mm-hmm. Leicester got back into the game. What did you do? Baseball bat, bang over the head, game dead again." And and like in terms of persuading and convincing players and building that belief in the style and everything like that that's a data point for him now that's that's something he can hook on to and say yeah all right you held on like in this game you held on at Wolves you held on here you sat back at or not sat back at Palace but you know got pushed back against Palace w- which felt better to you which game felt better which game meant that you came off in the 75th minute and uh you know got your sliders mm-hmm. on and uh and watched the last 15 minutes sitting on the bench like drinking a cold water like that that feels better doesn't it <laughs> that's that's a much healthier way to win a game than like everyone chewing their fingernails and hacking the ball away from the penalty area so you know there are there are little bookmarks that that come in your journey as a team um and, and i've just got a feeling that this might be one of them that, that this is just something i'll point to and and hopefully translate it away from home so that the next time we are one up away from home on 60 minutes that the message is let's go and get the second. And actually, even though we didn't massively force it, that did happen against Palace. We did go and get that second goal. And sure. so again, all the time we're building that kind of do that, that feels better, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I I think one of the things that's interesting in a game, Paul, you know, heat maps. Like there's heat maps statistically, but there's heat maps mentally. And like, when I think of this game, Zinchenko and Martinelli and Jesus, you know, the, those are the players that come to mind. Unless the heat map in my brain, Saka and Ben White and Thomas party and Odegaard, like that—that's less in my mind. And it—it it makes me sort of wonder dynamically what you think is slightly different on the right versus the left. But like in particular, you know, I look—we do stock rising and stock falling on the instant reaction and picking them after a day like this is really hard and and really unpleasant in a way because it's such a good team performance and team performances don't require every player to be 10 out of 10. I feel like odegaard has been a little subdued in both games, but I've also read a lot of pushback on that from people saying that he in this game was very influential to build up and control and maybe less influential in the final third. I'm curious how you feel about where Odegaard is right now. And in this game where we were so vibrant and dynamic in the attacking third, it was a little of a of a muted performance from him. Um, is, is this just a case of you do what's available to you someday it's the other side's time to shine and he's linking or is, or is there more that he needs to do in his game that you're spotting that, that maybe isn't happening for him right now?
2: Yeah, I'm going with the look, second game of the season, not a lot of data here to work with in a way. Isn't this a great, like this is teen white girl problems. Isn't this a great problem to have that all the good stuff is happening on the other side. We're lighting it up on the left. And our guys on the right are a little quieter. Uh, There was a very funny moment on uh, 40 minutes and 40 seconds, roughly, um, where everybody goes to the left-hand side. So we're doing rondos with Martinelli, Zinchenko, Gabriel's over there, Chaka's over there, and uh, Odegaard's bored, so he goes and joins in too and Saka goes over to that side of the pitch and I'm like positional play my ass the you know screw Arteta ball we've gone full Wenger ball everybody's over there everybody wants to play everybody wants to be involved I'm like um this isn't what I was expecting with my five lanes there were no lanes on the right hand side of the pitch we were just having fun and it was like a kick around in the park and like I I just kind of think certainly Like, if this continues, yeah, I'd start to get a little worried that maybe he's a little off, but he's just too good. He's like Saki. He's got too much talent. Like, I was never even a big believer that he had form issues last year. It's just like, give him the ball in good situations, give him a couple of games, and we'll see the Odegaard that maybe sometimes we think slips through our fingers. I'm not sure that's – like, his work rate in this game, again – And, like, I know people don't care about running and this and work rate and people don't care about anything when they have a feeling, basically. and But, like, he's doing all sorts of stuff, and it might not be the dramatic stuff. Um, But I I just think it'll come, you know, swing back to his side. They'll have a big game, him and Saka. Um, But it's two guys over there and Ben White eventually joining in versus four guys on the other side, it feels like and all the action all the rondos all the busyness all the speed and it's just set up for the swing back the other way and their time will come so i'm i'm like i'm more taken by the fact that zinchenko's defensive work in this game picked up so like uh compared to the game against palace i thought it was much more maybe he's just fitter a little bit more in the flow of the game, but I didn't see... He still him.
1: got roasted a few times, just in his game. It's always going to happen, you know? Yeah, <laughs> You but, just can't help it.
2: Well, anybody who plays that high will get roasted too. So I, I thought it was much... Uh, I, uh, there was a weakness about the Palace game defensively that I felt this was much stronger. And yes, he'll always have a bit of a vulnerability, but I thought that was a big step up, and I thought that was... Yeah, that's fair. That was... Like Maybe that's just his level now. Maybe he doesn't get a little better defensively. Um, But I thought that was pretty strong. Obviously, Gabriel cheats across to that side. And that just um, gives us the platform that we're not vulnerable on that side. We can pull in the opposition and then we can switch it to Odegaard and Saka. And they can hurt the opposition who've had uh, centre-back after centre-back pulling with the play. And the other piece that goes with, with all of that is all the runs, the little runs we've st- we started to make in behind uh, dummy runs, decoy runs, Martinelli, Gabrielle, uh, often dropping in. And you, then you got, Jesus, even Chaka's going and Zinchenko. And like, they're all having little pops, little runs behind, pulling center backs with them, the movement, stirring the pot. I think it's going to be fine. I think Odegaard and Saka are about to find that they have nice open spaces as all that movement and little runs and people start finding those runs we saw two chips over the top zinchenko scoop chip uh, Mm -hmm. and martinelli scoop chip into the box to players vieira is apparently a dab hand at that we we got so many different angles we're coming at them i think odegaard and saka will Mm -hmm. be fine and will enjoy the space on the right we've added some strings to our bow and we're just playing a little
1: different tune right now and that's fine clive on on that thought. I mean, do you want to add on Odegaard? Like this is the problem with the conversation. You can bring up a topic and people can then interpret you bringing up that topic to mean that you think there's a problem. I want to be clear. I don't think there's a problem. I'm asking, you know, is there a, an involvement in the final third that Odegaard has yet to bring to the table this season? That is an area where we'll continue to improve. That's that. Look, if we're at a nine out of 10, we want to be at a 10 out of 10. If we're at a 10 out of 10, we want to be at 11 out of 10, right? I mean, the, the, the funny thing is we're looking at a team now where I don't think the limit of our ambition is to say, let's get to top four. I think what we're seeing is, is there, is there more beyond that even with this team going forward? And so it's fair play now, fair game to even point to some of our best players and say, can can they give us more? And he's one of them.
4: Yeah, it all feels a little bit like first world problems at the moment because we're, we're playing so yep. well that, um, said that. I agree. Yep. We, we just, we're just having a little look around and seeing if anyone's like 3% off. <laughs> and we <we're, laughs> well yeah. And then we're, we're two footing them. <laughs> so like, um, mm-hmm. in a nice, gentle way. I, I think I, I, I've got, you know, much like everybody else, we'd like him to shoot a bit more. But some of his soft touches in the, in the small spaces, the little one twos were just beautiful. They were yeah. beautiful. That Gabriel Jesus chance, the old cherry on reposition coming on to his right foot. The combination before that was like silk, and that's so hard to do—to just touch the ball gently. The,
1: the one-two with Martinelli, yeah.
4: Taking well, the three and, players. And but Odegaard yeah. was, was in it earlier. He does a little mm-hmm. back heel, just rolls it, and it's so soft, it's so perfect. And so you just see him players in tune with each other. And yeah, I want him to shoot a bit more. I want him to be a bit more direct, but. He's part of this. He's part of this painting, isn't he? At the moment, and he's just doing his thing. We're two games in, and um, if Jesus hadn't scored, having two games without a goal, we have been after him. <laughs> like, uh, I, I want to be like, there, I
1: would not have been after him, but,
4: <laughs> like but you know, but that's how things change very quickly. Oh, was it just preseason? Or? So yeah, it's it's all. And what's really exciting, Elliot? To be honest, to be honest, I think there's many, there's, there's more, much more to come and when you have the youngest team in the league there's so much more to come just some pure development and learning and yep. how they get to know each other I think there's more to come there's a very creative player in Fabio Vieira we haven't seen yet we know Eddie's on a plane to Valencia if he comes back with a another positional play winger we're, who's very very bright there's more to come there's more to come in this group and and it's almost like I just, I can't wait to see it. So if I come on the right, is that something to look out for going forward? And he looks like he's been in the gym. There's more to come with this group and it's just August. And I just find it very exciting to be honest.
1: Yeah. And that's something that I wanted to bring up to you, uh, Tim, as the subs mm. bench looking a little stronger, some players getting healthy. I think, First of all, I think Tierney for Zinchenko is just going to be a regular substitution when we're leading games and we we want to have that little bit more security. I I do think Zinchenko's a liability defensively, and I think it's worth it for what we get with him. But I think as a game wears on and we have a lead, and especially let's hope a lot of two goal leads, that's I just think that's a substitution that's going to be one of the, one of the first ones we see. Um, it's also interesting seeing Arteta get a little more comfortable appraising players. I think in the past there may have been some programmatic substitutions that were just based on this player replaces this player. So, Nkedia comes on in the first game for Jesus. Nkedia comes on in this game for Bukayo Saka. And of the three, I thought he was the one who could use the, the rest of the day off, right? And 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 that comfort level that, hey, any of the three can come off and can be replaced by anyone else. And, and then Smith-Rowe comes on. And now you're looking at Nkedia and Smith-Rowe and... Tierney. And it's it's a really nice, it's a really nice um dynamic, I think we have now coming off the bench. I don't think it's it's quite as strong as we want it to be, although there's still people to come back. So I'm curious how how you look at that. Um, I think Eddie, Eddie had the perfect chance to slide it across to Martinelli on the break, but he takes the shot, fair enough. A, a near chance. How are you thinking about the way we're using the bench? Because we're maybe not going to it as early as as some teams might, but I think we have the right players to fill in at the exact right places at end points in the game.
3: Yeah, the the, the phrase "fill in" is the um, is is the one there because, w- like, what position have we been in making substitutions? We've been two goals up. Um, there's there's going to come a day. Um, Probably not this season, where that's not going to be the case. And <laughs> um, you know, we might have to go to the bench a little earlier because, like, there are two. To- well, there are more than two types of substitution, but effectively, for the purposes of this conversation, the two types of substitution you want, like your game changer, your oh fuck, we need a goal <laughs> or two goals as quickly as possible. I need to change this, or I need to change the flow of the game because we're getting beat up, and you've got like your retainers. And like Tierney, the, the, you know the Tierney for Zinchenko. That's a retainer sub, right? That's a that's a like for like positionally, but two, you know, two guys who do, who do things in a very different way. Um, I still think, you know, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the attack being like a carousel and people playing in different positions within that ta- attack potentially as well. Um, and and still think that we're maybe one short there. The the one I'm I'm really interested to see though is Vieira, like um in terms of he he from everything I've heard so far, and I don't mm. think I've seen the guy kick a ball yet for Arsenal. So but everything I've heard just says to me he has the potential to do both, you know? Yeah. Definitely, definitely big retainer sub potential. Big like, yep, we'll put you on for Saka for the last fifteen minutes. We can put you on for Xhaka for the last fifteen minutes. Um, you know, I think he played everywhere for Porto. Tifo Football did a really, really good video on him. JJ Ball. Yeah,
1: watch that. It's a good one.
3: Uh, yeah, put together this video that basically said he played everywhere for Porto and not just game. Like, in the. he picked out the first half an hour of a Porto game and he appeared everywhere at some point. So so he's got that, you know, you can put him on for Saka or for Odegaard to give them a rest or if we need... Goals or we need something. You put him on for Jaka to give us more impetus, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm quite interested in. Uh, so far, we've been two goals up in our games so we've been looking for retainer subs. But I'm really interested in what some of these guys do. Like, what does Ed like? What does Eddie look like when we need a goal? Does that mean you know Jesus going out to the right and? and Saka to the left, and Eddie up front, you know, Vieira coming on for Xhaka, like, that, uh, that's what I'm I'm going to be more interested in, because that's where we struggled last season, we struggled to have those game-changer subs, and yeah. the only time we did it was Pepe against Wolves, that's the only time I can, in fact, Pepe and Inketia came on against Wolves, and they both combined for the equaliser, and that's the only time I can remember it happening, so, that just by having like depth, yeah, we've got we've got those like retainer subs locked, but I'm I'm interested in the when you need to add something because you need something because it's panic stations. What we look like then? That I think will be a big test for how far we've come this season. Because at the moment, the sun's shining and it's nice and, and easy, hmm. but um, it's not going to be like
2: that all season.
1: Certainly not. Uh, some days the sun won't be shining and it'll be easy,
2: Paul. Yeah, so there's the sub-conversation, there's the coming from behind when we are goal down uh, conversation, and there's the uh, we-tend-to-drop-off conversation. I think they'll all be significantly impacted by the fact that we're playing much better football now. So your options when you bring on a player and how they look, um, when you're in subs, like we chasing a game, like coming into a team that's not really getting the play into the final third not really making something happen you got two jobs you've gotta help get a goal but you've also got to get help get the team started that's i mean we'll see but based on the first two games this year we're able to turn on the football and so these a player coming on or like why psychologically were we not able to come back from a goal down last year well because we found it so bloody hard to score in the first place right we we Mm -hmm. showed up charged in the first 10-15 minutes kind of had the play but like a lot of it was like good play with lots of energy and lots of focus and like now we can play good football uh, across 70-80 minutes of a game you impact how you come back when you go to a goal down, what subs can do can when they come down come on because it's not an individual player who changes a the game. Uh, they're plugging into something. Um, how you play when you score a goal and then you seemingly drop off well you you drop off if it's really, really hard to play the way you were playing before. So our ease in transitioning into the good football, will change a lot of things. Questions will go away like, why don't we come back from behind? Why do we always drop off? Why are our subs not impactful? Or, you know, why didn't that sub make more of an impact? So I think there'll be a different framing of conversations.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely, well, yeah, I agree with all that broadly. I mean, um, Clive, that one of the things that we are forced to do, especially while the transfer window is open, is look at the project going bang as it looks like it's doing and saying, How can it even be banger? <laughs> more bang? The bangiest? Bangier. There it is. And like, we've had a lot of conversations this summer about how the left eight is someone that could be more left eighty. Well, that left eight in this game has a goal and an assist. And one of the things that Shaka did in this game, and we'll finish with this because I think it is a really interesting topic that's evolving. I mean, He's standing on the penalty spot at the end of moves. He's making runs forward. That question of whether he can do in tight spaces what a more 88 would do in tight spaces is still an open one. There's one where Zinchenko backheels it, takes the defenders out of play, Shaka runs onto it, and like slowly carries it to the corner flag. Okay, that's not super left 80, but he scores a goal from inside the box, tap in, and he has an assist from a 1-2 type move uh, between Martinelli and Jesus. It's so, the
2: post with a header.
1: He does hit the post with a header, that's right. Um, set aside, let's, let's set aside the things that we know by now, both from the documentary, from over the years, that managers pick him, that he's a good influence in the dressing room, that he's liked, that he's a leader, that he's the captain without the armband. Set all that aside. Some strings being added to his bow, we saw that this preseason. Maybe still some strings that will never be on that bow for a player who's turning 30, and we know a lot about him. So how do you view that, that position in terms of the bangiest bang that can be banged in the, in the project? <laughs>
4: Uh, um just yeah, i'll come if i come take in a second yeah, yeah. i just want to talk about dropping off for a second
5: I'll now
4: i'll seven. just to, yeah this when, when we drop off right we normally we drop off when we're ahead so what are you trying to do when you drop off right so you just two things you're trying to do you're trying to squeeze your distance it's normally the 442 block and what that does actually cause you squeeze your lines that encourages people onto you so then space becomes available in the where, say, fullbacks creep on, space becomes available. And so really what we should be focusing on when we drop off is not us dropping off, but the quality of our transition. Because sometimes you will find yourself 4 before really, really quickly if you transition well and the quality of your pass is well and you break way into wide areas. So I'm having this discussion with, me, with my own team at the moment. Dropping off is not bad. Space is there to arrive in, not to stand in all the time. You arrive in, at, into space at pace, then you can really drive through it. And that brings me to Shaka. What Shaka is doing, he's running through. He's seeing space and saying, I'm not happy to stand here. I'm going to run through. And what that does to a line, it really distracts it. And Aaron Rand's made a career doing this, just running through. You know? so he got, he got some big goals running through. He did a lot of runs. He didn't get the ball anywhere near it. Do you see what I mean? But he yeah. caused distraction. He caused... He caused issues, you know, part of his game, which I think is underrated, his ability to run through, you know. And, and I think what Shaka's doing, he's just refusing to go anywhere. <laughs> he's refusing to go anywhere. And he's playing very, very well. I, I spoke the other week when I, I, was, I was with Andrew, actually spoke to him on the preview pod. I sort of said his physical shape really surprised me when I saw him pre-season. He's 29 years of age, and he is in shape, mate. He is absolutely in shape. Don't underestimate how physical he is, how strong he is. He's a, he's a major player. I mean, I, th- I mean, Tim, you were there yesterday, but I, I did you think Tienemans was better than him? I, I, I didn't feel it, right? I, I didn't feel it. I know he's got more, a lot in his feet. I didn't feel it. I didn't say, we have to do something here and send Chaka yeah, off to Italy. That's fair. And then put this guy in. I didn't feel that. I, I've got to be honest, right? I didn't feel it. And so, um, so yeah, that's a that's, that's a testament to what he's doing and how he's adapting his game based on what we perceived his previous strengths to be. And um, I, Shane's crazy after six years, right? But he's, he's growing on me, big time. He's really growing on me.
2: Can I add on the well, also- Telemans thing?
1: Yes, but let me just say one thing on because it's been in my mind. I meant to say it earlier. It goes to show you how differently you can view a player when their role in the team goes from the absolute center of the footballing universe of that team to a contributor in a team that doesn't need them to be the center. We had a lot of seasons where it's not just that Shaka was the first name on the team sheet. It's that Shaka picked the ball up off of the defenders deep. And Shaka collected the ball off the other central midfielder in the in the middle third. And Shaka tried to get on the ball at the top of the third. And he tried to chase back and put out every fire. And Shaka wore the arm, And Shaka had a hundred passes. And I don't know that that was the right thing for for the club, for the player, for the squad. Now Shaka is a talented, committed player who is doing some things that help us while some very, very talented players around him have evolved to much more um, prominent roles in the team. And it works. And that, that shift in dynamic for me is a critical component of why someone might say, oh, I thought you hated Shaka. I got to admit, I hate Shaka as 120 pass a game captain who has to do everything. But this Shaka who has this role, who seems to really get it and be a coach on the pitch and kind of know where to be, I, I think this looks a lot like a much better fit for everyone. Um, I want to bounce to Clive, uh, to, to Paul to get out of here. Um, but Clive, did you have a last word on that? Because you leaned in with the intention of having <laughs> you had to come back.
4: <laughs> I was leaning in and, and, and uh, sorry, I didn't realize I was doing that. I was leaning in and, and agreeing. And
1: I love it. I, That's the best I, kind of, I, I think, I
4: think we go through, <laughs> I think Shaka's almost like a, a measuring stick of emotions, right? We, as his team develops, we can we can see him slightly differently because he's just not a core like part. I think there were times when we weren't we weren't good enough. Let's be honest, we weren't good enough, and we were looking around for things to um, to blame, right? And he's standing there, six foot one, middle of the pitch, hundred passes, giving away penalties, and getting sent off. You'll do. Do you know what I mean you'll do? And I am um, sure if he does that again, we'll be we'll be right back after him, but. I, I I do like a player that really tries to adapt his game to please the coach. I think that's fantastic, right? That means he's working yeah, for his team and not common. And his positional play that he wasn't doing when he first arrived, the way he's helping Martinelli and Shinchenko and his team, has made us all talk about our left side this evening rather than our right side. So he's part of that show.
1: And, and you're dead right. And I'll say this too, right? Eric Ten Hag has a way of playing football that doesn't necessarily suit the players Manchester United has. And look at what happens when De Gea tries to play that way, or Scott McTominay, for God's sakes, they look at absolute shambles and Chaka is doing it. So there's something to that. Paul, take us home.
2: Yeah. Quick thing on Chaka. I think he is an interesting way of being central without being central an interesting way of being core without being core. He's interestingly egoless in terms of how he approaches the game plan for a guy with big ego. Um, He's just—he's a very interesting guy, and like, I I wouldn't diminish how important his play is within the good play. Uh, I'm uh, you—you said it the other day, Clive, how your eye eye is drawn back to him strangely when you're watching the game, Um, like, and I find that quite often. He, the things he does look fairly straightforward, and they are but he's doing the right things in the right spots, making the right movements, undramatic stuff. Like how often did I watch Chabby, uh playing for Barcelona and be somewhat underwhelmed or Sergio Busquets? I mean, okay, the occasionally they do something incredible, but most of their game is doing the right things in the right spots at the right time with the tempo. But the point I was going to make uh, was on Tielemans. Um because it's not really about Tielemans. It's what we did to him. I think there was a very clever plan for him that every time Tielemans did the Tielemans thing and dropped back to, if you want to, whoever was DMing or Johnny Evans at the time to pick up the ball, we always had a guy on him and snuffed him out because that's his thing pick it up, carry it, bring it upfield. And Jesus, Martinelli, whoever, to, uh, Odegaard, every time they closed him down. So he might get a pass off. But it wasn't going to be the big game-changing swinger to Madison on the far wing or whatever. We had a plan for Tielemans, fair play to the plan.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it worked. Whether we sign the guy or don't sign the guy, we certainly didn't look like we were missing him on the day. Tim, I'm actually going to let you say the final thing. Do you think Gabriel Thanks. Jesus is good?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Gabriel is good? Uh, there don't, we go there's head our podcast okay. the the only the only point i wanted to drop into the the jacka mm-hmm. conversation which let's face it is is infinite um which which is a good job when you do like 17 podcasts a week he certainly gives us a lot mm-hmm. of material but one of the many conversations we had like a year or so ago when party came into the team and all of that it was like oh is he gonna defer is he gonna is he gonna do that is he gonna no problem. No problem at all. And when, and let's face it, when we, well, when I was saying, oh, is he going to defer? Like the implication is, no, I don't think he is. I think he's going to hate that. He's going to want to be the guy. He's going to want to be in that position. Not a bar of it, not a bar of it. He's he's played this position, hasn't even said anything um, about it, like completely changed his role. And nothing there's 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 been nothing to suggest that that's been a problem for him so yeah i thought i'd just drop that one in
1: well it's it's a good thing because everybody's looking a lot better right now when a team plays better rising tide lifts all boats and when there's a hole in the bottom of your boat uh it sinks and that's what's happening to united and it's absolutely effing brilliant no time to go into chelsea v spurs um Wish there had been the red cards for the players. We got the red cards for the manager. I think both teams look like they have flaws. And I imagine, whenever it does come time for us to play those teams, that we may get that 10-0 finally. Certainly looks that way to me. That's how I feel about it. But next up, Bournemouth away. earn the right to play. And I think it can be a fun day. But the manager just has to keep the players' feet on the ground for right now. Because all of us, I think, are starting to get our heads in the clouds a little bit. And that's a good thing. Because it means we are sitting pretty second in the table behind only Manchester City. So, for Clive is on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thank you, Clive.
3: Thank you very much.
1: For Tim is on Twitter at Stubberto. Thank you, Tim.
3: My pleasure as always.
1: And for Paul is on Twitter at Paws With My Pants. Thank you, Paws. Woo hoo! My name is Ellie Smith. You can back me on Twitter. again, and we love you, and we will most certainly and only talk to you after our tan born Bournemouth no.